Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. On today's episode of Cryptocurrency Chat, we're going to talk to Josh and Sydney, both from Western New York, and James from Austin, Texas, as well as with my co-host, Jake Jabberoli, and with Mike, Cryptonaut Mike. So with that said, we have uh, these new Cryptonauts that are, uh, it's a blessing that they're on the podcast because they're going to help us, all of us, not just us on the podcast, but also you as a listener, help answer those basic questions. So I asked them if they can kindly come onto the podcast and ask these basic questions. Somebody that's inexperienced, just to ask these simple questions. So they did the favor, they came onto the podcast and they presented these beautiful questions that we did our best to answer them. So hopefully these answers and questions do help you further your education in crypto. So with that said, enjoy our episode. Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's get started then. Five, four, three. All right, Cryptonauts, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Today we have Josh and Sydney, both from Western New York, and we have James from Austin, Texas. They're they're all new Cryptonauts in the crypto space, just trying to learn something new. Is that right, Josh? Uh, Sydney? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And James. Correct. All right. All right. So good. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Uh, I'm glad you guys reached out and are more than welcome to ask as many questions as you'd like. You know, that's that's what we're here for. That's why I, I really like doing this. We want to just give back some just just crypto education to everyone. We don't, we're not charging a thousand dollars for crypto knowledge. We want to make sure that we help the new cryptonauts not fall into scams. That's the biggest thing. We got to turn that into a model, uh, right, Mike? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Work in progress. Yeah, yeah, do that. So actually, I am going to pass the torch over to Mike as the as the main host to be able to answer you guys' questions. But uh, I want a little introduction. Everybody always starts off fresh in the podcast. Um, I, I'm always curious what their background is and how they got into crypto. So let's start off with Josh. Josh, if you don't mind just talking about your uh, your background and how you got into crypto yeah sure um i uh was working at a factory actually and someone that sit sat near me at the time um frank cody he was really into it and he was always talking about it buying it and i would hear people talking about it on break uh not the smoke shack so he kind of taught me some things and then I kind of looked around and then you know, picked one that I liked specifically. And the first time that I was able to buy crypto was actually meeting him outside of like a gas station where I'd show up and I'd give him 40 bucks and it would look like some sort of, you know, uh, drug deal kind of thing, but it's really just him going home to get on Binance. So then, you know, send me uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, so that's pretty much how I started. And it's just talking to someone, talking to someone on break. And then, uh, you know, throughout the day, I'd ask questions or he'd tell me what something he saw. Or that's pretty much where it started. Nice, nice, nice. That's uh, that's quite interesting. Now huh? it's like it's like a little little uh, drug deal in the back alley, huh? But instead, it's crypto. Hey, ain't that crazy? Ain't that crazy? Yeah, yeah, it is. Hey, uh, Josh, have you ever played Second Life? Uh, I I know what it is, but no, I haven't personally played it. So that's actually my first experience into getting into crypto. That's why. I've, Purchased my first Bitcoin. 
you know, I had to um, set up an account on, on Second Life and I had to use my PayPal account because there's no real exchanges out there because uh, Mt. Gox just crashed. And I and I read Satoshi's white paper and I wanted to get into Bitcoin. I, I wanted Bitcoin. So I I, uh, I looked it up. And at the time, the only way to really get uh, Bitcoin was to create a Second Life account and buy their internal tokens or something like that. And then trade it with somebody, uh, another user within the game for Bitcoin. And that's what I did. And it was like, it was the scammiest thing ever because, you know, first of all, you're doing a, a an exchange with somebody over the internet that you don't even know. I don't even know the platform. I didn't even bother playing the game. All I want was my Bitcoin. So, yeah, I can sort of relate to that. Uh, Sydney, Sydney, um, where are you at, Sydney? There you are. If you don't mind uh, just talking about how you got into crypto and your background. Well, Josh is my husband. So he has been talking about it for a couple of years now. And, you know, I was, I wasn't really sure about any of it, but the, with everything that's happened in our government recently, he's been able to explain how, you know, cryptocurrencies can help fix a lot of these things. And that's what really caught my interest in it. I'm still a very, I know, not, not even as half as much as what Josh does. I can confidently, or at least, you know, honestly tell you that, but, um, I, I don't know. I'm just, a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, you know, 35 hour a week person. I work full time. I'm a mom. I work in a, a, you know, a criminal defense office. I mean, that's kind of my background for the most part, but besides that, I love crafting and, uh, but I mean, I, I, I guess when it comes to cryptocurrencies, for the most part, I just, I, I see the value in the security that my husband has expressed to me. I don't understand all of the, you know, the, the coding that completely goes into it all uh, in depth or anything like that. I think that's kind of confusing. And to the average consumer, it's very confusing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, actually the main reason why I wanted to do this podcast it's specific for people like you that don't really understand coding, but really want those basic questions answered. So I'm I'm hoping that you guys can bring to the table some good, high quality questions that that the new crypto not would most likely ask, and hopefully we, we can answer those questions uh, on this podcast. So uh, Sydney, you said you worked in or you work in criminal defense. I'm kind of curious. Do you know if there's any blockchain technologies that is being developed? for the criminal justice system or the criminal defense system? No, I, I do not. I haven't heard of anything. I, in all honesty, I'm always like trying to get my office to use technology when I get to use that, when I get them to use it because of my husband and my background, I know at least about like hardware and software more than the average user, but um, I just, yeah, no, they, I haven't heard anybody talk a peep about anything like that. It's something that could totally be useful. Absolutely. I mean, I know that the transition going on here in, in the Bay Area with um, all these uh, uh, county buildings is they're converting all their hard copy documents into digital. That would be so cool and so great if they can absolutely upload that to either IPFS or just blockchain in general, just build their own centralized private blockchain where they can upload all that information because that's that would be extremely useful, save so much time, and it's readily available at 24 hours of the day. Instead of having to drive from whatever city or state you're at all the way to, to come over here to just get some files or have it faxed over, you can just you know uh, get it on the blockchain. 
Yeah, no, that would be wonderful. And I mean, in all honesty, with like some, I mean, read in papers or articles about, you know, hackers that have taken hostage cities and they lose all their information and stuff like that. I mean, the blockchain, it would just be a perfect backup. Somebody think that. Absolutely. Absolutely. that that's a great idea, John. Man, you need to start talking to some of your. You know, I just have. I take care. I live in a small county. You know, it's really clicky here. They're kind of set in their ways, and it's it, we're like ten years behind fashion. I realized that because I grew up in North Carolina, and coming here, I'm just like, oh my god, like you don't even understand. I, I we need to move away. <laughs> and, this, <laughs> and we're totally working on it. Like I have different photos in my background on my phone all the time. Like just. I, and that makes me think of it all the time. We're moving. I'm done. All but right. no, that's a great idea, John. You should, if you have any lawyer friends that are totally like, you know, into new technology, they've got money to, you know, help fund to develop something like that. It would be amazing. Super helpful. Security and accountability in the defense world is very, very, very important. Even in the prosecution side, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Sydney, uh, if you don't mind, or Josh, if you don't mind, when either of you, when you guys are talking, because you guys are really close together, because you guys are getting a lot of feedback from each other's microphones. If if you guys are talking, make sure you guys mute each other's, you know, a mic, mic to mic. Right? I apologize. Right. Um, I'll go upstairs, actually. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you, didn't have to, you didn't have to do that, but that's okay. Anyway, so we got we got next, we got James. Hello, James. How are you? Good, good. Awesome, James. Doing? So James, you're from Austin, Texas. How is it out there in Austin? It is a beautiful day, completely opposite of that uh, storm we had recently. Oh man, but, uh, it's a perfect day. Perfect, beautiful. Oh great, great, great. So with that said, James, I want to ask you, how did you get into crypto? What is your background before you got before you even heard about crypto? What did what did you do before that? And then what led you up to uh, discovering crypto? Um, I've always liked world type news, you know, just in general, like been interested in, you know, popular science and just things around the world and um, reading just just more informed than the average person that just focuses on the U.S. Um, and uh, I guess over time, you know, I got into different things. Uh, I guess fast forwarding. I, I truthfully, I ended up listening to Alex Jones on and off here in Austin, Texas. And little by little, I'm like, man, this guy's right about a lot of stuff. But um, from there, he had a guest named Max Kaiser. And I got to see Max Kaiser coming in and talking about Bitcoin from the beginning, pretty much. And nobody knew if he was like nuts or what. But, um, you know, recently I started listening again to like seeking out Max Kaiser himself. And um, I would just wanted to see, you know, what's up with Max Kaiser? What is he thinking about the economy and different things? And he, I saw that he had really gone full-fledged onto Bitcoin. And um, I was like, okay, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what he's doing, you know? Um, but even though he's like straight up only Bitcoin, I guess he calls all the other coins shit coins and stuff like that. I appreciated all the information he has, but I also thought, you know, there might be a certain reason why he's all in in Bitcoin 
he's been in it from the beginning. And of course, if you couldn't drive up that one, if you're already vested in, in it from the beginning, that's beneficial. But me starting off, I took that energy. I was think, telling you that before, take that energy and kind of just make my own decision based off of that. And it just so happened, I was looking in the comments and I saw something about Ravencoin. And, um, you know, that's what really got me going because I was like, wow, this, this thing's around two cents. Then all of a sudden it was at three cents. And I was like, oh, I need to jump on this maybe. And I'm glad I did. Um, and uh, now I'm kind of excited about this, uh, even though I'm, you know, um, new to it. I'm, I'm just trying to fill out everything. And I've learned a lot in this. I mean, literally, it's been two months. Nice, nice, nice. But an intense two months. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's that's how it is with every crypto now. Don't worry about that. That's how it is. Once you gain some more more experience in crypto, you're gonna you you're gonna be on this side talking to people and, and not frying your nerves. <laughs> Trust me, you'll be fine. No worries. Uh, I know so one. You, I know one day I was looking in uh because I was just seeing how the market was moving, and I just stayed up. And not that I would do this all the time. But it seemed like there was some critical <laughs> things going on, and I just stayed up the whole night looking at it. I can't believe how I could just stay glued to the screen because I'm just yeah. trying to figure out patterns and <laughs> things. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, exactly. I've done. We've we've all been there. We've all been there. Ask anyone, Mike. Yeah, that's absolutely. one of the aspects of a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week market. <laughs> there, there is no off time if you don't want it. <laughs> So uh, James, you did you did mention uh, Alex Jones and Max Kaiser. Max Kaiser, to my knowledge, has been around pretty much since the beginning. If anything, I think Max Kaiser is the real Satoshi. If anything, <laughs> hey, I, I I could believe you on that. Yeah. Uh, so you said you got in at Ravencoin at two cents. Do not anybody that's on the podcast, please do not reveal your bag on this podcast. If you want anywhere else, but please do not uh, talk about what you're holding in your bag. Obviously, we you do mean have quantity some... wise, right? Yeah, quantity wise, quantity wise. That's we don't have to discuss about that. Please keep that confidential. Please, please. I want to practice that regularly with everyone because this is obviously going to be public information. People don't need to know what you're holding. With that said, uh, James, what do you plan on doing with your Ravencoin? Are you actually planning on developing on Ravencoin on the platform? Are you just going to be a trader, which is fine? Are you actually going to continue educating people? Because this is, you are, if you don't know, James, you are educating people right now using this platform. Right. So I have no coding experience. Math, once they started putting letters and numbers together, I didn't know what the heck was going on anymore. Um, I, I, I suck at math. All I know is I, I'm more of a street smart person, you know? Um, awesome. That's occasionally, um, uh, I don't know how they say it, uh, you box out of your weight class sometimes, you know? So yeah. I think I grasp stuff, but I grasp, grasp it in a uh, layman's terms type way. Um, you know, I built a shed, half, it's almost done. And I, I guess the example would be, if you saw my plans 
and you're a very um, OCD type by the book, you would probably just fall on the floor and roll down. You know, I mean, <laughs> because I just kind of dabbled on the back of an um, envelope. Yeah, this and that and that. But if you go up to it, it looks good. Everybody's like, wow, that's awesome. But I just kind of winged it, you know? And so I'm not a technical person, I guess is what I'm saying. But I, I'm going after the same thing. I want to, I, Right now, I'm more in the investing side. Um, nice, nice. It does interest me to maybe learn because um, the blockchain, maybe being able to add something to it or or use that as a something to learn in the future as a, a business or, or something. But um, right now I'm just using it as an investing tool, I guess. Awesome. That's, that's, that's still great. Hoddle. That's what I tell everyone. Stack sets and hoddle, man. So with that said, we are actually here to ask a bunch of questions. And I hope you guys brought some really high quality questions to the, the podcast. Ed, my man, Mike is going to do his best and I'll help him out, obviously. Um, not that I know all the answers, but Hey, two heads are better than one. So let's go ahead and get started. Mike, go ahead and take it over, and go ahead. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, open forum. Uh, Sydney, you got any questions that you want answered? Or at least to just throw out there? Can, Josh has, he has the list, and he's upstairs. Um, let him go first, and I'll add sure. any that he didn't get down, okay? Sure. Sounds good. You want to take it away, Josh? If you want, I'll ask a question until they. Yeah. Just uh, keep going. If he cuts in, no problem. But I know you have time frames and stuff you're doing. So, unless he's there. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. I can hear you. I'll step out there. Okay. All right. Good. So yeah, we're just going to use the same mic. All right. So. Nice. Do you guys see there being only one cryptocurrency being used as the primary replacement for uh, like the United States dollar? Or do you kind of see like more of an ecosystem? So when looking at the United States dollar, the way the easiest way to look at it is it's that one lubrication between two different things. You know, if you want to quantify your hours of pay or, you know, trading an Apple for a Tesla, you know, it's that thing that's in the middle so as far as usd being that i definitely only see one real coin standing above all else but there's always going to be other coins you know the the easiest way to think about it is every major company that's retail they have gift cards so like to that company you know their their gift card is that main coin but the one like on top of that i can only see really maybe one or two <clears throat> okay do you do you feel that that's a maximist kind of outlook or a, what do they call it maximalist outlook or is that like the most logical way you can see it i mean it's kind of the most logical way i can see it because there's always going to be that one coin or one currency that it compares to every other one and i don't think that's going to be the only one that exists and nothing else exists you know, I feel like the, the more technology progresses and the easier it is for a person or a company to make and secure a currency, the more currencies we're going to have. All right, cool. Um, I Can we go on to our next question? I feel like you gave a pretty good answer. Shoot. 
All right. So have any of you guys ever bought anything from a store with cryptocurrency? And if so, what did you use to do it? Yeah. So I bought something on overstock.com a while ago for Bitcoin. Um, Definitely, you know, I (laughs) wish I would have just paid cash. It it was kind of a, a difficult effort. The technology just wasn't seamless. I can give Do you my, think that- I was going to give my experience on, on that as well. So my experience was I went up to San Francisco because they had the first Bitcoin ATM up there. And I wanted to uh, give that a try. Now, it was cool. It was great for a first time experience. This is way back in the days when Bitcoin, for the record, was around like $250. A Bitcoin. So I went up there and I think I spent like 20 bucks on the ATM and got some uh, got some Bitcoin out there. And I bought me a small little uh, Bitcoin logo keychain. I still have it. That's my that's that's my little my little uh, my little thing that, that I got that I was able to purchase with Bitcoin. So as a store owner, the reason I'm here using this Bitcoin ATM is because I want to make an actual transaction. And he goes, well, I have a small little gift shop here with Bitcoin, uh, you know, little, little, little items here. So I looked around, I go, that Bitcoin uh, uh, logo, a keychain, I'll, I'll buy that. How does it work? Show me. I want to see how, how, it, how it all goes through the system, through the blockchain. He got his iPad, opened it up. He showed me his QR code. He said, just go ahead and get, use your wallet, scan it. And I go, okay, I scanned it, sent over the funds. It went through uh, and that was it. It was that quick. So for me, the, the experience was really, really cool just to do that in face-to-face real time and make my purchase. Now, obviously, um, he was okay with the idea of the blocks not uh, being complete because obviously they were still paying. There were 10 minutes periods. But he, as long as that I scanned it, he was okay with me walking off because it was only five bucks anyway. So he was like, yeah, it's fine. So that's my experience. Yeah, I, I totally forgot. Uh, I also made a Bitcoin ATM purchase a while ago. Not not for much money. The premium was 40%, which was just, it was crazy. But I got my little receipt. Maybe, maybe I'll frame that one day. I don't know. That's insane. 40%? Yeah. Somebody needs to come out with another one, something different, and, you know, make it a percent that's actually realistic like that's just insane those people are i feel like are pretty greedy with that right i i heard someone tell me a while ago that they imagine in the next 10 to 20 years that people will look at atms the way we look at pay phones now so that kind of helped me to just write off atms altogether in crypto yeah sounds sounds pretty good i mean yeah I, I feel the same way, me and my husband. Yeah, I could agree with that. So you guys got any other questions? Do you want us to go again or if, 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 um, yeah, if, yeah, if you just want to go through the whole list. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go through the whole list and then we'll jump to James. All Uh, Elon Musk is known to have purchased Bitcoin. Why do you think he tweets about Doge? Oh, because he's he's a meme lord, man. He does it for the lulls. Yeah, yeah I suppose I would agree. I just wanted to put that out there. I went to a gas station yesterday, and I started talking to a cashier about Ravencoin, and uh, he brought up Doge. And it all—I don't know—I always find it laughable. You know, his word okay. is 
he informs millions of people about what he thinks, but you know, he posts a lot of jokes. And so a lot of people are currently misinformed that that's an ideal thing to purchase. I mean, Isn't Doge Dogecoin is great to own for the lulls and to have a meme coin, but that's, that's pretty much it. There's no utility. The uh, mining metrics for it are ridiculous, but you know, it's definitely one of those coins that I think is going to be here to stay just like memes are here to stay. And that's the original meme coin, but yeah. Alrighty. All right. So, um, do you go, so what's everyone's like, I know James already said that he's in the Raven coin. Uh, I personally am too, but, uh, do you guys have a, a, a particular favorite, uh, cryptocurrency that, that you're, you're just fascinated with that specific project? Yeah, definitely Raven coin. Also Bitcoin, but more so Ravencoin because it's it's just younger, you know, and it, it's really great to get into a younger project. Yeah, I'm rolling. I'm rolling the same boat with Mike. Um, I, I I love Bitcoin. I like that there's thousands and thousands of people all around the globe developing um, uh, software and doing their best to to make it a better version every single time. But for me, not being a coder using Ravencoin, the platform, is so easy to use. It's unbelievable how you, how you can easily make your NFTs, your assets, um, your sub-assets. It's so easy, so easy how to connect IPFS into it. Videos, music, art, it's all, it's easy using the Raven platform. I love it. So that's, yeah, there you go. All right. So the next question is, would you be willing to be paid in cryptocurrency for full-time jobs? Do you think that's things that people are going to be saying yes? And, and maybe why? I'm, yeah, I'm definitely pro that. At this point, I take a percentage out of each paycheck that I can live without and I convert it to crypto for you know long-term holding. Yeah, I heard this, the city and the mayor of Miami are pushing legislation so that businesses can actually pay their employees in crypto should the business and employee want that. Yeah, so, so it, it's been, definitely happening happening legally. I've been asking uh, a bunch of these um, like side hustle companies where they ask you to go out to the stores and take photos of their uh, of their products on the shelves or whatnot. I was doing that like uh, secret shopping kind of stuff. Ask a couple of those companies because that's just that's a weekend side gig. You make a few bucks here and there. That's not bad. And also gas money, right? And it gives me a chance to get out of the house. Um, I asked these companies if a couple of years ago, I'm talking about like five, six years ago, I've been asking them, hey, man, when you, I'll do more work if you're willing to pay out in, in, in Bitcoin. Absolutely. And they're like, nah, not right now. We can't do that now. But I'm sure now in 2021, every company out there is trying to trying to figure this, figure, figure out how to make it work. So, yeah, it's going to be the future pretty soon. Absolutely. And yes, I will accept <laughs> crypto um, as, as a form of payment. Nice. Um, all right. The next question I had for you guys is, do you think the United States will create their own cryptocurrency similarly to Ukraine's? If so, how do you all feel about that? Oh, I most definitely think they will. Where there's money to be made, you know, the government will try especially, you know, if it's a coin they can control. They, they could, you know, just 
eliminate a lot of potentially future wasted time and adopt Bitcoin. But I don't I don't see that happening. I see them holding out on USD, you know, as long as possible and going kicking and screaming until it's no longer feasible. <clears throat> but uh, in an ideal scenario, I would see them trying to do a decentralized uh, ledger system, hopefully based off of uh, USPS, where they have a node in each post office to help protect against attack and, you know, make it as decentralized as they can while still retaining ownership. Okay. Um, Where would you guys recommend to purchase cryptocurrency for people living in states that are not crypto friendly, such as like uh, New York State? Ooh, that's depends a good question. On kind of, depends on what kind of crypto you're trying to buy. Yeah, it, it definitely depends. Um, if you can, Try to find a DEX. I know Atomic DEX is a good one where you can buy crypto. Uh, there's also BISC, E-I-S-Q. That's a really old decentralized exchange that's pretty reliable. Okay. Um, I meet a lot of people that say that they have a Coinbase, but they end up finding another type of cryptocurrency uh, that they want to buy, and Coinbase doesn't sell it. Um, so I guess that would be applicable for them to uh, purchase on Coinbase and then somehow move their money to that exchange and then receive something else? Yep. The, the thing about Coinbase, for better or worse, a lot of the coins they have, the coins they sell or offer to be sold have been vetted pretty well. So if you're not buying on Coinbase and you want to buy somewhere else, you should definitely you know do your due diligence on that coin and try to figure out why it's not on Coinbase. Um, and then I, so I only, uh, I have just one more. Okay. So this kind of goes into the whole, um, you know, how I'm not a fan of Bitcoin, um, BSV, you know, Bitcoin Satoshi vision, but, uh, some people feel that Bitcoin doesn't meet up to the vision of it being like a, an everyday currency because it's kind of analogous to gold now. Um, yeah. I see that as meeting its purpose. Uh, but how comfortable would you guys be to say buy a lemonade with a cryptocurrency? Uh, but also anticipate that it might double. Say it could double tomorrow. Uh, would you choose to hold on to it? Do uh, you see it as a, a means of currency or a means of a commodity? I mean, if I have a crypto and I have USD and then there's something I need to spend, you know, a currency on for that service or product, I'm going to try to always burn through my USD first. Absolutely. Same here. Okay. Now, now that doesn't that doesn't say that I would not use my my tokens. For example, making that transaction, like I mentioned earlier, to buy those uh, that that keychain, and other people that's that's purchased so many other things with crypto. Like for example, I forgot the gentleman's name that that bought two pizzas uh, for ten thousand Bitcoin. It's because of these purchases early on that that showed the world that that Bitcoin or slash crypto is is very valuable and it's very useful. So it has, these things have to happen. If, it, if people aren't doing this, then you can't prove that it works to, yeah. the, to the, the regular folks out there. You got to show it. You, somebody, somebody out there has to spend it, right? If I didn't spend it, then I probably would have been sitting on a bigger bag. I would definitely be sitting on a bigger bag by now. But I believe that I did my part and hopped out the, uh, the crypto economy 
uh, by making these transactions happen and keeping my uh, miners within the network. And I even did mining. Mike, uh, Mike's done mining. Um, and that's, and that's where it's at. Yep. Big fan of mining. All right. I think that was uh, definitely a good answer. Um, so I'm, I'm, we're all out of questions for now. Cool, man. Well, let's uh, pop on over to James. Okay. Cool. Cool. Learning. Yeah. If y'all come up with questions, I got a, I got a bunch here. So if, if um, you end up having questions and I went too far, just cut in and let us know. So I don't keep on going. Um, so my first question would be, I was trying to wrap my head about the difference between mining and nodes, because to me, it seems like they're two different things. I was like, Oh, I can make a node, but am I, if somebody were to make a node, do they, are they mining or there's two levels to nodes or I don't know. Yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, the short answer is just being a node is putting yourself out there on the network and being a miner is figuring out a way to monetize putting yourself out on the network. So if somebody creates a node, is there any benefit or is the benefit kind of like what he was saying, like you're just helping the whole system out? Well, the term node is different to the chain it's on or to the blockchain that's being Bingo. used. Bingo, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to get to that point, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, a Ravencoin node is very similar to a Bitcoin node but it's different from an IPFS node, which is different from an Ethereum node. Okay. So, it, so I a, guess the question I'll, I'll give you uh, from my point of view, why that question came up. I was reading something and um, it said like, um, there's these like really cheap little computers that are like, um, oh man, I think it's like a hundred bucks. Like, it's like a card. I forgot what it was called. Raspberry Pi? Yes. And I saw okay. that, um, I think on Tron's, uh, one of Tron's things, whatever, there was something that said, hey, you know, create a node for cheap using a bunch of, there's a class in, that they're going to have. And, you know, you could create a node for Ravencoin using these and it's cheaper. And I was like, oh, cool. Maybe I could get into that and start mining. But then I started looking into that and it didn't seem like mining and and having a Raven coin node was the same thing. Yeah. Raspberry Pis are really cool because it's very, very simple. A lot of the technology is open source and the hardware is usually pretty cheap. So it's a good entry point to someone who wants to get into hardware and software. So expanding on the Raspberry Pi, I think, um, you definitely want a Raspberry Pi node, especially if you're trying to, de to develop assets um, on, on the Raven network or any uh, proof of work, I think, uh, blockchain. Using a node is so much more energy efficient. It's so much more compact. You can literally just shove it into a little corner, just leave it there and let it let the network stay on. One of the biggest benefit, for example, using the uh, Ravencoin QT, the transactions are the most affordable in comparison to any other Ravencoin wallet out there when you're trying to do transactions. So in the future, as uh, transactions become 
as as it goes up, the most affordable place, to my knowledge, is going to be using a QT wallet. Now, you don't want to have 100 gigabytes uh, sucking up on your uh, your desktop or your laptop. Just stick it on stick it on a Raspberry Pi and put it aside. It doesn't use your CPU. It doesn't use your your storage. It's all its own little network sitting over there, and you get to do comments business. So that's that's awesome that you it just sits there. Yeah, I think the Ravencoin QT size is about 18 or 19 GB. And the Bitcoin QT is actually 350 gigabytes now. Yeah. Now expanding on to that, um, now if you're doing a proof of stake blockchain using the Raspberry Pi, for example, I think um, off the top of my head, I think uh, Dash, Dash is proof of stake. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, if you're using Dash and you actually have a node on there with a thousand Dash tokens on there, that you being a master node, you actually do in turn receive uh, um, like commission fees, interest for just uh, having an active node for maintaining a maintaining the network decentralized. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, I kind of get it. So in a way, it is you're you're not you're not um you're not gaining the benefit of creating a coin with that, right? But you're helping the whole network be more secure too, or? Yeah, you're definitely helping the network and you're helping, you know, with the decentralization aspect, but you're also tapping into the blockchain directly. So there's no third party software on top of that. That's, you know, limiting what you can do in your interaction with the blockchain. Oh, okay. Kind of get that. So, um, all righty, let's see. So let's see. Um, I definitely, like I said, am into Raven, but I also don't want to limit or blind myself. I really think like for the long term and everything based on my little knowledge, I just and my gut feeling and stuff that that's Raven is a, a good thing. And that's just from reading what I. I guess um, basically what I have done is. I didn't know, I don't know anything, right? So I went and tried to find out anywhere that there's any mention of Ravencoin. I went to Discord. I went to Telegram, right? Telegram, um, uh, looking up Twitter. And I just kind of go in between those different sites and reading and uh, learning from there, right? Um, and then try to weed out all the junk that I see on the Discord and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Then I, I notice you know i don't know if people are talking in code words in in the in the discord or whatever but they'll be like hey did you see that and then you know a few comments down yeah i saw that but i'm not sure what the hell they're talking about and then i'll look up and i see a chart and then they're like talking about that chart right but in between all the other crap that's like sell buy sell buy you know dead raven coins dead and all this <laughs> stuff you know um but then I saw somebody post something like, oh, Ravencoin's going to zero. And then somebody else posted, ah, you have evolved to level two. So I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a second. These guys are, are like trying to drive the price down by just making these comments, but they're not really meaning it. They just either want to buy at a lower price so they just talk like that 
to get other people to join the bandwagon and sell. It, it's just you have to filter through all that crap, basically. Yeah, what, um, what's cool about Ravencoin is, you know, there, there's a great community as far as like a decentralized community. It's phenomenal. But there's also a collection of, you know, non spiteful trolls, like not the kind of trolls that like you just you don't ever want to like hear hear what they type. But the ones who are like dedicated to like, you know, they wear it as a badge of honor and they love trolling. Uh, it, it happened early on. Early on is when the trolls really stuck to Ravencoin. And with the community at Ravencoin, you know, we don't we don't bash people. There's not a lot of, you know, censorship for the most part, you know, unless you're like, you know, posting porn or like just straight up scams. You know, you odds are you won't have your content deleted on the Ravencoin Discord. Yeah, so it just seems like at first glance you have to take a deeper look. And I was telling you guys or or blockchain or blockchain John um, that basically I I just been quiet. I haven't really mentioned much, and I've been just learning from seeing people's interactions. And you start to see the same questions over and over, and then also just going up and clicking in the search if there's something I'm wondering about. Usually, if you click search, you'll find a bunch of conversations about it. And it answers your question that way. Yep. Um, so next question here was, um, so I got some Ravencoin and, you know, it seems like it's been going sideways at certain points. Um, so I was trying to take advantage of some other coins that I saw, um, mm -hmm. but not really having more money to throw at it. So I'm like, hey, maybe I could take some of my Raven, throw it over here and then. If everything works out, I'll throw it back into Raven and it'll be more, right? Um, yeah. But then I was like, wait a minute. I don't really know what I'm doing. What if what if I sell and then is, is there a tax on that? And then there's a fee on top of that. So even if I make a profit, am I just spinning my wheels by, by trading it and then trading it back in to Ravencoin? And I guess that's, it depends on who you're trading with, right? Because they have all different kind right. of fees. Yeah, most definitely. And you're also, so what, at the I same guess, time, what is your recommendation on trading? Um, you have to be on the Coinbase Pro or, uh, you know, what, what do people use to, to trade efficiently or? So when it, when it comes to trading, my recommendation is if you're holding for the long term, it's probably best not to keep your coins on exchanges. But do be aware if there's a huge jump, sometimes uh, exchanges will freeze deposits just so they could, you know, mitigate what's going on on their exchange at any given point in time. So that is a bit of a gamble, but also be really picky with what exchanges you use. Because, you know, a good amount of exchanges get hacked and just straight up shut down. So for sure, be aware of that. If, you've, if you're finding a coin that seems like it's too good to be true and it's not on many exchanges, just be very aware that you could put money into that exchange and then wake up the next day and that exchange isn't there anymore. Okay. But I, that's not going to be a problem with Coinbase. Of all, of all the... Faults Coinbase has, 
That's like the one exchange, the one United States based exchange that I am pretty sure is going to be around to stay. So, you know, we shouldn't talk about how much money we've invested and things like that. Also, is it bad to say what, what place you're currently like, should I, is it bad for me to say what I'm using right now? No, go for it, dude. So, I mean, where I, I was going crazy because I couldn't find Raven anywhere. And I landed on crypto.com and that's what I've been using. Nice. I think that's a pretty well-established used exchange in the UK. So I thought it's Hong Kong based from what I read. Okay. But I guess UK had its hand in Hong Kong, right? Forever. So that that makes... <laughs> Right, I guess it's true. It's like it, like hundred right? years or so. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's where the association is there. Um, so and I've I've done little test um, transactions to my account and things like that, and and everything's worked great. And I got approved very quickly because I see some people on the Discord saying that, hey, I've been waiting, you know, a month or three weeks or you know to get approved on whatever exchange, and you know. Everybody has different backgrounds and stuff, so who knows if they have something or they're not wanting to put their license or, or whatever it is. But yeah. um, I have had no problem with crypto, but I also have a Coinbase, um, and I'm hoping uh, all that talk about uh, Raven going on there. Well, I know it's not talk. I, I mean, I know they've submitted it. I just hope that everything goes ahead with that and they get listed on there. Yep, me too. I think they're uh, they went into maintenance today. To make some oh, changes, yeah. so you know who knows. Pers right, right. Personally, so, I would not. If I was in Coinbase's position, I wouldn't be adding any coins until after the IPO. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. That, that should be their main focus: is getting that 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 U.S. public offering money. Um. Oh, so so I guess um, so using Coinbase if. If I trade, is that automatically a taxable event, I guess, is what I'm saying? So the, the one thing about Coinbase, above all else to remember, is they have a very, very close relationship with the United States government, specifically the IRS. So if the U.S. government puts out some kind of regulation or rule on how they're going to tax a certain thing, and that certain event happens on Coinbase, you better believe that the U.S. government has a copy of that. Yeah, and and I guess I, what I mean is, I, I, I of course want to go, I want to do everything according to whatever law and all that stuff. But but is it technically like right now, if I would have just traded in, traded it out, and then now I have to factor in my profit or not profit that I also got taxed every time I, I did a movement from one to another, from, you know, if I went from uh, Ravencoin to Bitcoin and then I took the Bitcoin and bought uh, one and then, you know, the one kind of settled down and I said, Oh, let me switch it back to Ravencoin. Now did I just add a bunch of more tax onto me? Yes. Um, so I'm not sure about the laws in the past like 12 months uh -huh. as far as that, but before then, the rule was unless it's hitting United States dollar or a United States dollar backed stable coin, 
that it's not a taxable event. I see. But so, I, I just heard yesterday that now mining is actually a taxable event in the United States. So I don't know uh, about mining, but I can speak on the uh, crypto to crypto transactions. That is going to be a yes. If you're doing if you're doing transactions on any exchange, um, regardless if you make profit or not, just doing that transaction is considered a taxable event. And obviously withdrawing it as well, that's a taxable event. Any transaction that you do is a taxable event. Now, moving your crypto to wallets to wallets is not a taxable event. Okay. Okay. Next question, please. Um, so I see, and this might go back to what he was telling me about being careful with uh, coins that you run into. Um, it seems like some things are listed on Coinbase. And then when you click it, it says, oh, this is not, um, you know, we're not currently using this coin. It's just like, it's just showing you the pattern, you know, but it's like under a cent maybe or something. And you're like, ooh, I want to, you know, maybe get in. How would I have gotten into Ravencoin at a pre-cent level or, or whatever level it is before it hits the other ones? Are there other set of exchanges that are for... For lower ones, or yeah, so what's going I don't know on if they're with... called baby coins, or I don't know if there's a terminology for them, or what you know. Yeah, so what's going on with Coinbase is it's a lot more difficult for them to add a coin logistically than it is for them to show data on a coin. So if they find a coin that they deem you know not a scam, it's there's a huge benefit for them to just add the tracking of that coin on their app that way they have as many coins as possible to make themselves as big as possible okay and i guess in a way it shows that they've they're at least somewhat interest in that coin from them but if you want to trade that coin where would you find it like i guess you just each one specific you just got to kind of do your due diligence and look yeah. around or so are there some popular ones that are safe that have a bigger um, number of coins that are not Coinbase? Like, well, there's a couple really good websites like CoinGecko, and up until recently, CoinMarketCap has been pretty great. And they'll give you a breakdown of each coin, as well as the trading volume and what exchanges trade it. You know, and it ranks from you know most trading to less least trading. So if you're definitely, you know, if you are on Coinbase and you see a coin you want to buy, it doesn't give you that option. Just jump onto CoinGecko, type in that coin, and it'll show you where you can buy it. Okay, so I've seen that name before, but wasn't sure about it. So CoinGecko would be good. Yeah. And um, uh, let's see here. And I believe so Coin Market Cap is owned by Binance. Not like a hundred percent sure. It is. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so you did say two. You said Coin Market Cap. Cap. Yeah, CAP. And you said Coin Gecko. Yeah. Okay. And the reason why Mike elaborated on the on the fact, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but the reason you elaborated on the fact that uh, Coin Market Cap was good, not as good as it was before, is because when Binance bought them out, um, there's there's some. Mark, there's some number manipulations in their in their data. So as of right now, the best place to go to look at accurate information is CoinGecko. 
And on top of that, you get free candies. Make sure you collect your All free right. candies. I mean, the, the market manipulation has never really been a big deal for me on CoinMarketCap. I actually kind of prefer it because it helps me show like, you know, what coins are manipulating to get those top spots. The one thing that really just turned me off from them is if you're looking at a coin that's only worth, you know, three digits of a Satoshi, it just doesn't show the, the full cost. You know, it'll only go like four or five uh, zeros in and then just a one. So I don't know the actual price. And on some of them, they've totally just cut off the, the Bitcoin pairing period. And it's just a USD pairing. All right. Um, so it looks like um, mining versus just investing. Like, it seems probably more logical for me to just go and invest because I would have to buy hardware at, there's a lot to learn. I guess there's a more of a startup. Um, but is there cases where the mining outdoes the investing, I guess, aspect? I mean, mining is definitely a form of investment. The, the bonus to mining is you're contributing to the network in a very core way. And you still have the hardware at the end of the day. If you are looking to get more exposure into mining... There's two YouTubers I highly recommend. One is called Bits Be Trippin', and the other one is Son of Tech. And they put out quality content. You know, they're not trying to, to push anything on you. They're just trying to give you, like, the facts of what mining is and what's going on, because that's their passion. All right. Bits Be Tripping and Son of Tech. Yeah, Trippin' with an N. No G at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So Ravencoin, um, it looks like if you create an asset, you burn 500 Raven? Yep. For a main asset, yeah. And you have and, that asset forever. On some and, other chains? Oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so it's just one time 500, and then you could make sub-assets or, or tokens off of that. And you're not charged another amount of Raven for that? So um, assets and tokens are interchangeable words. Some people prefer the term asset because it's you know more oh. of a technical term. Some people prefer the term token because it's more uh, it's a term that more people are used to, you know, ever since you're a little kid in arcade getting a token. But they're pretty much mm. the same thing. Now, if you make a Raven asset, it's going to cost 500 Raven. And you can make the quantity of that asset anywhere from one to 21 billion. And like Bitcoin, it also goes eight places to the right of the decimal. So if you wanted to just, you know, make one and give away 0. 0.00000 whatever one, you can do that. And then from owning the main asset, you can make a sub asset, which has the same quantity principles, except it only costs you 100 Raven. And then you can make a unique sub asset which only costs five Raven, but that's only uh, one token max. Oh, one cool. asset. And even though I just said that, it's still a little vague to me. Well, could you give me an example of creating a, uh, like what would you create for an asset and then a sub asset for that? So one of the first assets I made was just my name. I made asset Mike. And then from there, I made sub-assets for 
whatever I want to do. Um, I like, for example, I made a video club and I made a few tokens to the video club. So I, you know, give the token to friends or, you know, acquaintances who really love Raven. And now it's like we're in Mike's video club token. But there, there, there's really no limit to what you can do with a token as far Ooh. as for putting in data. I, I have a good question to that. I think that would be good with James's question. Like how, like for, for a good example, I think, um, how would someone create a ticket to an event with Ravencoin? I mean, is that possible? Yeah, it's definitely possible. So for example, if you made asset Sydney's, you know, events and then made a sub asset, you know, event 2021 in May or something, you could make that quantity, however many tickets you wanted to release. And then when people buy the tickets, you give them that token. And you can either use that token as a digital receipt, you know, saying they purchased it, or you could use it as when they come to the event, they have to return the token to you in order to get into the event. That would be really cool. I mean, couldn't uh, concerts, concerts or like art, you know, like, like, music artists can use that to make sure that, you know, there's no way anybody's going to ever get in with some kind of fake ticket. I mean, I guess I can see the right. value of that, you know. And it's it's in the Ravencoin white paper. that That's one of the use cases. The cool thing, too, is like if you're going to a really high production value concert, you know, and they give you a really nice ticket, you got to keep that. You know, a lot of people I know, they keep it in their car's glove box and they just collect them. But it would be really nice if there was some kind of cloud-based uh, data storage you could have for that, which Ravencoin definitely is. And then on top of that, the production company that does like marketing material of the event and stuff, when they put on videos showing you know what happened, they can add that to the token so that when the token holders, you know, 10, 15 years from now, they can look at that token and be like, oh, this is the event I went to and this is what happened. And the person who's, who put on the event doesn't have to worry about storing that data in perpetuity because Ravencoin will take care of that. That's really great. I just, that's what popped into my head. And I thought that would be a good example to, you know, maybe uh, to clarify it. It'd be easy to clarify it in that, you know, sort of idea. Yeah. But I think, James, where the value in Ravencoin is, is, the you know, for people that just hold it, it at least this is my perspective, and, and I'm just a, an, an everyday person. I'm not super into tech. I know about software and hardware because I worked 80 hours a week in a computer store once. But, um, you know, I think that the value, if you're just going to end up buying it to hold it and not use it, the value goes up after more, more companies, you know, tokenize with it when they end up, you know, buying it and it also, you know, it's burned up when they use the 500 to make their company and then so on and so forth. I think that's, that's really what the value is and, and it will attract businesses and all sorts of different institutions because of the reliability it offers, I think. Yep. Does that sound about right? And the digital scarcity is a big plus. Yes, it'll become, you know, it'll become, you know, it looks like there's a lot more than, you know, Bitcoin, but a lot of people are going to end up burning it to make assets. Right. So it'll eventually will have that scarcity that, you know, Bitcoin there, they talk about with Bitcoin. So, I mean, I see a value in that. I mean, cause it's totally, it can be used for like anything really. I mean, you mentioned, uh, 
I think prior to now, Mark, you mentioned a rain check the other day and it did, it, one of the tokens you sent. And yeah, it really kind of dawned on me. I was like, man, you know, that could be used if I were to go to the grocery store. And let's say this grocery store was tokenized with, you know, Raven coin. They could give me an official like rain check. Like I come in, they don't have what I need. It's 99 cents and it's usually like four or five dollars. Well, they don't have to worry about me going home and replicating that rain check and coming back and getting like, or even passing it out to others or anything like that. I mean, that's what really made it click for me is thinking of it in that, you know, type of idea. Oh yeah. There's definitely a good business application for it too. But even on a personal level, I think I sent you some bed making pass tokens too. And I remember as a little kid getting bed making passes from my mom thinking that was like one of the greatest gifts I could get just that one couple days I could sleep in like five or six minutes longer and not have to make my bed. Those are very fond memories. No, that's, that's really cool. I think that that's really neat. Yeah. You could, they could totally be like cute little couple, like a Valentine's bundle for like, um, you know, with, with, it's, you know, he can't deny it. If you gave me five of them, you better, you know, let me use five of them. They're right here. It's not, I'm not going to lose them. Right. <laughs> so. I, go ahead, James. Oh. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. And I said, you know, because I was going. So if you had an idea, um, I still have a question about that. What we're talking about. But if yours is still about that too, keep on going. No, that's all right. James. Or if you don't want to forget or whatever. Okay. I've accumulated um, a couple more, but they're they're written down. I'll be okay. patient. And how are we doing on time so that I make sure that they have enough time for their stuff? I mean, my time's open. I'm not doing anything for the rest of this beautiful Sunday. Okay. So, as, as long as information is getting out, I'm I'm happy. Awesome. Okay. Um. So, I'm I'm putting myself out here, man. Like. Uh, I don't know if I'm being super dense or whatever, but I want, I feel like I still don't, I just don't feel like I have that aha moment. It hasn't, it still doesn't click. So if, if, and I've seen other people talk about how this could be used for tickets and stuff, right? I don't know if I'm super imposing my idea of what a ticket is. Like I'm thinking like, oh, there's this little barcode and somebody goes and scans the barcode. What if somebody scanned that barcode? I know in in the system itself, there's only one. But like, what if somebody said, hey, let me get a screenshot of that and went ahead of me and scanned it. And then I came after them because they got to the event first. They got in and now I'm locked out. Or am I looking at this completely wrong? Beautiful. Mike, I know you got this, man. This is going to be a good answer. Okay, so if you're looking at the, the token just as a digital receipt, that doesn't come into the fact of getting into the event uh especially if you were to make it where you have to show having the asset in your wallet when you walk through the door there's nothing stopping you from after you walking through the door taking that asset and then sending it you know to your friend and then they get in through the door and that's you know two people in with one ticket so the way to solve that would be when you're at the door you actually have to take your ticket and transfer that to the wallet of the person letting you through the door. And then they see, okay, this wallet just went through, you know, and they look at your wallet and they say, okay, I see you just sent an asset to the wallet and here it is. And then lets you through that way. So it's, it's all happening at the time that person's actually presenting themselves at that ticket per person. 
So right. everything's happening real time or 10 minutes or whatever the transaction takes. But I guess real it's a, time. It's about a minute, right yeah. Time. And um, you should show up in a few seconds, especially if you're standing right next to the person. Okay. All right. I think that makes a lot more sense because it's just, it's it it's not something that already happened that you're just showing, uh, hey, this happened. It's it's taking place at that point in time when you're entering. Yeah. The, the easiest way to think about it is it's a coupon that you're purchasing prior to the event and then that you have to redeem to get into the event. Okay. Um, let's see here. Which in reality, I can pretty much like literally like, right now. I can I can literally make a C three event, print it out on a piece of paper right now. I can mail it to you, James, that has a QR code attached to it. You can keep the printout paper for my event as as a little memory. But if you're going to enter my event, say for example, this Zoom meeting, it's a private Zoom meeting. If you want to enter it, you got to show proof. And I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be face to face. As long as you're able to scan my my wallet and deposit that uh, that asset back into my wallet, then you're accepted and you can come into uh, into the Zoom meeting or the conference or meet up or hang out or whatever. That's that's a good way to do that. All right. Um, can you give me like a definition of proof of work and proof of stake? Yeah. So <clears throat> proof of work is uh it's usually hardware miners whether it's gpu asics or fpgs which are like a hybrid or open source asics uh, they're running through all the transactions you know those nodes are proving whether or not the work has been done whether or not you know what coin is in what wallet or what address with proof of stake it's more of a centralized thing where people who are node validators prove what an, what is and is not true on chain. So prove, you know, what amount of funds are in what wallet. Okay. Um, I mean, pr proof of stake is like kind of, you know, cool and like new tech to some people, but it's also very not decentralized. Yeah. Can I, can I jump on that real quick? So, um, James, think about this. Would you want 100 people working onto a network to make things equal and fair? Or do you want one person to rule them all and tell everybody what they can and cannot have? Yeah, I would rather have a consensus telling me because you have more. If, if a couple say no, then you're like, hey. But if you got one that's compromised, they could tell you anything and you either have to go with it or not. Yeah. So, so that's how I feel that, uh, that's, this is yeah. proof of work and proof of stake that there's actually steam it. I don't know if you heard about steam it. That's actually what happened with steam it when, um, what's his name? Justin Sun. Justin Sun. When Justin Sun bought out, uh, steam it, that's basically what he did. He, since, uh, since steam it is a uh, proof of stake, they pretty much got all their nodes, all their tokens and pretty much he, he, he ruled it all. But the thing is, People don't like that. So right away, the community started abandoning the project and, and switching over to uh, uh, to a different platform. I think it's called Hive. Hive OS. Hive OS, yeah. Yeah, so an example of uh, proof of work mining, which is just you know raw hardware power, 
know, people can buy the hardware and then they can compete for an equal distribution of block rewards. That's something like Bitcoin and the Bitcoin forks. Uh, something that's more like straight up POS is something like ADA or Cardano, where it's all a pre-mine. It's the company that owns Cardano is minting the tokens and then releasing them to market. So it's just a different like fundamental philosophy on how a currency should operate or live on a certain type of chain. I'm, I'm definitely partial to one over the other, but you know, they, they both have merits. The it seems like decentral it seems like decentralization is a big thing and reason for all of this um, Bitcoin and crypto. I mean, yep, yeah, and you yes. you would be surprised how how many people who are very involved in the space and very technical don't see or realize or comprehend that simple truth. Yeah, um, I have somebody. Oh, how do I explain? <laughs> it's just funny how how people could be into the banking sector and know really so little about it. Um, I guess like they say that word compartmentalization. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, how gold is not part of um not backing the U.S. dollar anymore. Right, not since 1971. And it's shocking how many and, people don't and, know that. Yeah, and there's people in the banking sector that work at the bank every day and uh, don't know that. And that was interesting to me. I mean, it's one of those things that you're taught as a child, especially, you know, as an American, that that's how the country works. That's how it, found, that's how it was founded. And that's what the dollar is backed by, you know, and it's, it's a very hard truth that it's not, it's not the case anymore. It hasn't been the case for, you know, at least 30, 40 years. I still got a few more. I'll keep on unless. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shoot. Okay. Um, let's see here. So being not programming person or anything like that. Um, right before I got into this Bitcoin mode of my life here or, or crypto, I was looking around and I saw a YouTube video pop up and it said, Hey, you know, this is a whole semi mini little course to learn C and C plus plus and it's free on YouTube. And I was like, cool. I don't know. For some reason it finally drew my eye and I was like, you know, I want to learn about that. But then I started getting into the crypto and I kind of set that on the back burner. Is that something that's still beneficial, especially if you're going to get into mining or um, other aspects of the, the coding and stuff? Or are there different ones as a beginner that you would recommend to learn? Like, what, where, where should I point at to start learning some of the programming stuff? So, yeah, learning a, a new language, whether it's, you know, a spoken language or uh, a computer language, it's always a benefit. Never going to discourage people from learning a new language. If you want to learn a language that's crypto based, I recommend it's called Solidity. And the way I see it, you know, in the future, that's going to be the standard language for finance. Like banks and all these companies are going to base their programming in Solidity. 
And there's a really cool website that's super free and really in-depth. It's called cryptozombies.io. And at the by at the end of the course, you'll be able to make games that run and interact with blockchains. Awesome. Yeah. So cryptozombies.io. Yep. Would that also pertain to it seems like this is a word I really want to learn and wrap my head around is NFTs. Um, is that something that would benefit creating NFTs and things, or is that something completely different? It could. It definitely could. It's kind of a, like an all-round blockchain-based language of the future. So NFT creation will definitely be tied to it. Ravencoin does make NFTs too, and it does not use Solidity. But it does use IPFS, and I believe that is Solidity language. So, yeah, even Solidity has prepped its way into Ravencoin, too. So I see this a lot, IPFS. Um, does it matter? I mean, what does it stand for, or does it even matter? So IPFS stands for Interplanetary File System. Oh. The easiest way to think about it is it's the next version of the World Wide Web. So right now, the standard is World Wide Web. In the future, the standard will probably be IPFS. Okay. They're just That's, taking it another like a, level. <laughs> yeah, it's another level. Essentially, it's uh, essentially it's just a um, like a swarm network, kind, kind of of the people, you know, that there's no one central authority that can uh, edit your data or block it, it. Is that no longer true with the World Wide Web after some changes that I know that happened? Now we don't hold <clears> the <throat> Is there something like that? Yeah, that, that hasn't been true for a long time. The easy example I can give is, like, let's say you're going to Macy's.com. You know, you log in www.macy's.com. You're actually not going to Macy's.com. What's happening is Macy's is saying, okay, we have this data. This is what we want our website to look like. This is what we want our inventory to look like. And then they take that to a third company. And then that company shows you a copy of that data. So you're never directly interacting with Macy's.com. You're interacting with a third party that's showing you a copy of that data, not that specific data. Whoa, that's like the Matrix, man. Yeah, now that, I'm that's, starting that's to how the internet brain. works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so with IPFS, you're tapping into that cloud and you're seeing that actual data. Like there's no third party that could come in and block you from seeing that data. Should it be on on the network? Um, also, if, if you're looking to learn more about IPFS, check out IPFS.io and then the pound symbol, how or why. It's IPFS.io pound symbol how or IPFS.io pound symbol why. And that'll really... Uh, it's a good introduction into it. Good jumping so off point. IPFS.io? Yep. Then pound how or pound why? Okay. Yeah. Um, and not, that's not P-O-U-N-D. That's like the, the hashtag, right. the tic-tac-toe symbol. Yeah. yeah, I'm old enough where I remember calling it pound, not hashtag. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, NFTs. So let's say you make an NFT on Ravencoin. Yeah. Um, man, again, I'm throwing myself 
stuff out there. Some people just maybe know this stuff, but I, 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 I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Um, That's what today's about. Um, so, I don't know. It seems like they had a picture of Mona Lisa and somebody made an NFT of it. I mean, can you do that? Like, I mean, isn't doesn't somebody own that or the 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 museum own that or I mean, or it's because it's it's framed a certain way or my, did I see something wrong or I don't know. Like, how can so, you make money off off of something like? That? And NFT is kind of a subjective term. It means different things to different people. For some people, <laughs> NFT means there's only one of them in existence. To other people, it means it's immutable and digitally scarce. Uh, but you could still have, you know, more than one copy and it'd be an NFT. The, the main thing about NFTs is you have to trust the source. So, you know, for example, if it was whoever owns the Mona Lisa, whatever museum that is, if they made an asset that was, you know, their name and then made a sub asset, you know, Mona Lisa, and they say, you know, we we uh, authenticate this being representation of the actual Mona Lisa because we clearly own it and we want to sell half the token. We're still going to retain holding the Mona Lisa. You're never going to be able to hold it. You know, it's in our museum for good, but if you want to own a piece of it, you know, you can buy, you know, this NFT to represent ownership of it and you can trade that NFT on an open market should you want. So anyone can make any NFT, you know, there's no central authority saying you can't name it that, or you can't, you know, put the data as that picture or that video or that contract or whatever, but you, you just have to trust your source who's ever making that NFT. Everybody has to kind of be in agreement. Yeah, everyone has to be in agreement and you have to have a central trusted authority saying, you know, this is the real person making this token. So, so. if if you have, a, apparently, I mean, it seems like Ravencoin is set up for the future for what I read and everything. Then somebody was bringing up, you know, I guess there's possibly now some other coins that do similar things that are coming up. Um, if there was another coin that had the NFT capability and you created something in NFT, and I created the same looking NFT on another coin. That that's a possibility, right? It's like two different ecosystems in a way. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. And an actual use case example is I own Ravencoin asset Mike. So if I want to make an NFT piece of art, you know, I would make either a sub asset or unique a sub asset. That's like my first art piece. So it'll be Mike slash my first art piece. And anyone who buys that knows that that asset came from asset Mike. And if they know that I'm Mike, then they know that that asset is mine and it's legit. But if and there was, you know, yeah, and it's tied to Raven, which is cool. But, you know, if someone were to copy the image of that art I made and make the asset, you know, Joe Schmo, my first art piece. And then they tried to pass it off as, you know, Mike's original art piece. You'd easily be able to say, no, that's not ownership asset Mike. That's ownership asset Joe Schmo. And with Ethereum, it's a little more messy, especially when platforms like websites are making the asset 
on the person's behalf. That's a really great thing about Ravencoin is it's done at the protocol level. The individual who wants to make the asset is holding the asset and minting it on their own without any help from a trusted third-party custodian. Okay, so it's the base, like the base level. It's like as yeah, it's as low as you can get. <laughs> exactly, and there's no no middleman in that. Now the downside is you have to prove your own authenticity. You know, I have to get out there on my soapbox and say I'm Mike. That's my asset. Whereas with other companies like Maker's Mark, Rarible, OpenSea.io, and stuff like that they guarantee that, okay, the person who's making this is that person because that person created an account and we have their email and we KYC them and we, you know, we can verify that this is the real artist putting their art on there and it's not someone ripping off that artist. Yeah, and I guess there has to be a demand too, right? Like people have to want want a certain one right. for it to and be that- more valuable. And that's another benefit that, you know, these third-party platforms offer is they'll market your data for you and they'll, you know, help facilitate the trade of the asset for you. All right. Hey, I I just wanted to kind of ask a question related to the NFTs. I mean, any use of an NFT that's not truly a non-fungible token and not authored by the actual person that should be authoring it, that's basically a kind of a uh, illegitimate use of the NFT, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So, uh, for example, I think I gave you the asset Lindsay Sterling slash Christmas, and I found the metadata for that on YouTube. You know, I downloaded it off YouTube, and I've never taken any payment for trading out that token or not trading for giving away that token and I never will. So if I were to say, hey, this, you know, she made this and you should pay for this token, that would definitely be fraud. But on some level, if you're not taking payment and if it's already publicly available data, like it's on YouTube or something, then it's it's just sharing content. Okay. You can go ahead and continue, James. I was just curious. Does that, that answer your no, question? But, no, it, it absolutely does answer my question because I, I definitely saw it as sort of a misuse of the purpose of the token. You know, if, uh, I see me personally, I, I would think non-fungible token would just mean it's a unique item. It's authored by the true author. But yeah, I guess someone, well, anyone. It, it is just a namespace. So like, you know, keeping to the Lindsay Sterling uh, example. If she were to say, hey, that's my name, I want that token, I'd definitely give it to her. But like, let's say I died and I didn't, you know, do anything in my will to make sure that my assets can, you know, keep being traded and living. And now essentially that asset is, you know, non-movable on Ravencoin. She could make another asset called the real Lindsay Sterling or Lindsay Space Sterling and then make her assets from there. So it doesn't really just like stop someone from being able to produce content. It just makes it so they can't use that specific name, at least with Ravencoin. With Ethereum, you can actually make multiple tokens that are the same name. So let's say she was the first one to grab the Lindsay Sterling asset, made her art. Someone else could copy that token exactly and start selling it 
you know, pretending to be her, which is one of the drawbacks with making an asset on Ethereum. Oh, wow. So I hope that answered your question. No, it, it does. It does. James, you got another one? Yeah, I got a few more, but I want to make sure that they have time if they have any other ones to, to mention. Mike, or I'm sorry. Uh, well, God. I guess I have a question. What does it mean for the people that are currently on Coinbase for, you know, when Coinbase actually, they're going, when they're getting listed on the NASDAQ, what does that mean for all of, I mean, if they're, they're hosting cryptocurrencies that, you know, have decentralization, why are they, I mean, what can that, you know, mean by joining, you know, our, having a public offering. Having a public offering. There you go. Like what, how, what does that mean for the coin holders? Um, well, I mean, First of all, chasing that almighty dollar, which as a, as a corporation, I can't fault them for. But it definitely adds legitimacy to cryptocurrency. The fact that there is a huge exchange like that that's publicly tradable that you can invest in. So every time you uh, buy an asset on Coinbase or transfer an asset on Coinbase, Coinbase is always taking a commission on that. So, you know, they're generating revenue in that. So them IPOing and being a publicly traded company, that gives all citizens of the United States the ability, or all adult citizens who can buy stock, the ability to invest in that and reap the profit sharing reward of that. All right. No, that sounds great. Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah. I guess Josh had one more question and I think I think we're 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 done by by that. I think this would interest James as well. I, I would, so can you explain to me like restricted assets? Like what, what exactly is a restricted asset? So a restricted asset is a more complicated asset on Ravencoin. It has more rules on what it can do. Um, it's just more functionality that you would need if you were a publicly traded stock company, like being able to limit who can buy your stock or at least what address can hold your asset and the ability to freeze and reclaim your asset as an issuer. Oh, okay. In interesting. All right. Yeah. It's not something I would ever recommend. It's not a Raven asset. I would ever recommend buying unless you had to have those features because it's more expensive. And if you don't have to have those features, it's just waste. But if you're part of that small group of people who really need your asset to function that way, Ravencoin has an answer for you. All righty. Uh, I understand. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, James, you yeah. can continue on. Uh, I may add on or ask a question relative to one of yours, but I'm all out for now. Okay, thanks. Um, so if there's maybe a name that you want, like, I'm not sure what I would do with it. But I want to say, okay, maybe I should go ahead and grab it. It seems like some people say, hey, go create an asset if you have something you want to use or a name you want to use. Grab it now before other people get it. I'm not sure if, if that's the right way to do it or not. But um, if you do that, um, it seems like you can make one or you can make whatever you said, like 21 billion 
off of it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're so, not sure what you're going to end up using it for, is it better to like make one and then create some other tokens off of it, but limit it or, or just do the 21 billion on it or I don't know. Yeah. So there's definitely no undo button. If you're buying an asset that you're not ready to fully utilize and you don't know, it's kind of, you know, murky on how you would mm -hmm. use it in the future. I recommend only making the quantity one because if you make 21 billion, and then one day down the line, you decide, you know what, this coin would work or this asset would work best if I only had 10,000. You pretty much, you've already burned that bridge down. But by you doing one, you could still do the 10,000 or? Yeah. So um, other than restricted assets, there's pretty much three types of assets. There's the main asset, a sub asset, and a unique sub asset. The unique oh, sub I see. Yeah, the <laughs> unique sub-asset is the cheapest, but it cannot be changed after the fact. Once it's minted, you can't change the quantity, you can't change the IPFS data. But with the other two, for the cost of 100 Raven, you could update the quantity and you could update the IPFS. And that's not 100 each. You know, It's just per time, you have the option to make yeah. those two changes. So you could get the, the asset, but just defer or getting any sub asset or sub token till a later date if right you need. and if just if you, get the main uh, asset if you are going to do that i recommend also just getting a hundred raven so that you know down the line if, you know if it's you know five years from now and you want to you're like okay now i know what i want to do i want to make this one sub asset rather than having to market buy or market mine 100 raven you've already got that ready to go Okay. Cool, cool. Um, the the few questions I have left are basically about storage out of the uh, you know like cold storage and things like that, paper wallet, and yeah. also um, basically what to use. Like right now, I'm just kind of clicking on Coinbase. I'm going to crypto, but it seems like when I see people posting charts and stuff i see the trading view a lot um yeah i didn't know if there's a, a a good one that shows you more different metrics that'll give you more data um and that's popular you know yeah i when it when it comes to charting you know everything that happened in the past you know you, you could see and that's great but predicting it for the future that uh, that's still uh, it's still open as far as I'm concerned. You know, this is new technology. This is going, you know, new places. There is no real history, so to speak, for the most part. Uh, I I use and that, yeah. I'm not I'm not talking about predicting or anything, but yeah. just like what what's good to look at charts. Um, yeah. So you know, just Gecko, to keep track and yeah. Coin, coin market cap and coin gecko will show you the price related to uh, USD and Bitcoin, and in some cases also Ethereum, and it also show the volume too. So you can get all that core information. Oh, okay, so that's same price. Oh, okay. Um, for cold storage, it seems like you have the ledger and the uh, I forgot the other one. Uh, 
Trezor or something like that? Trezor? Yeah, there, there's a few out there. Um, when it comes to storage, I prefer to have a QT wallet, which are like the desktop core wallets that are nodes. And then from there, there's a file in there called the wallet.dat. And that essentially is your, your key. So I take that file, I copy it onto a reputable USB drive, and then I just throw that in the safe. And that's how I store my private keys. And then oh. I recommend like every five years or so, change out the USB. Uh, some people say that a USB will last seven years. But when it comes to your account stuff, you know, it's, it's best to just be proactive and swap it out every five years. Then you have paper wallets. Yep. So basically, you're just writing down the code in a piece of paper or as many papers. The more you have, the more, I guess, so, uh, op possibility yeah. of it getting lost or... You know. Yeah, definitely the possibility of getting lost. But the paper wallets, how they usually work, um, you can go onto a website. Uh, you can definitely do this for Bitcoin and for Ravencoin. And it'll generate uh, a wallet. But before it generates it, the program is like running in the browser. So what it asks you to do is turn off your internet connection so that no one can be watching. Because there definitely are hackers watching those websites and trying to see you know, the data that comes out of that. So you turn off your internet and then it'll prompt you to like shake your mouse around a bunch of times until it's finished making you a wallet. And then from there, you can take that and then print it out and then throw that in your safe. Okay. I think I'm out of questions. Cool. How about uh, Josh or Sydney? You guys got any follow-ups? Any other questions? Mm. Well, let me... I guess what really kind of sparked my interest earlier was that comment you made, John, about adapting, you know, something similar to, you know, even Ravencoin to the, you know, the criminal justice system. And that really gives accountability. I mean, it, I don't know. It's just really getting the gears in my brain. I don't... We want that for the podcast or just to maybe talk about it. I think that's just really interesting. The, especially the, at least in the state that I live in, um, there's accountability and time of giving certain documents from one office to another. And there's also, it's very important uh, when to, to know whether something is an original or not. Cause like yeah. as a secretary, like when I send out certain like subpoenas or, or, or just, uh, oh goodness, like motions, originals go to the court and copies go to the district attorney's office and things like that. I mean, how would, is there anything current, you know, that could possibly do that with Ravencoin for the group? I mean, any kind of, you know, any kind of off the top of my head, I don't know anything off the top of my head, and that sort of just came up last minute. I was thinking about uh, a meetup because I used to host meetups here in uh, in, in San Jose, and uh, one of the gals, one of my guests that came over from uh, Stanford, she was talking about a, a decentralized blockchain for the purpose of, of the the healthcare system because there's a big issue in the healthcare that they're losing billions and billions and billions of dollars every single year in regards to time because time obviously. That's where a lot of the, the money's uh, lost is just in time. Somebody has to commute from one place to another place. 
or fax it or make phone calls or emails. But if that stuff, if those if those um, files can be uploaded to blockchain and easily accessible, obviously encrypted, um, accessible through blockchain, anybody around the world can access this information. So if you go to another country and you're having medical issues and, and this person in another country has no idea, this doctor has no idea who you are, what you are, what your history is, that's that's a sad thing because now they got to try to pick things apart, try to figure out who you are, what, what's going on. But if it was on blockchain, you give them your, your blockchain ID, they open up they open up the ledger, find out all your history like that instead of making all these phone calls, spending the whole day trying to extract all this data. It's right there on blockchain. So That's amazing. I can't tell you the process we have to do to get like, you know, someone's mental health records. Yeah, yeah. I know it's chaos. I'm sure it's chaos. I'm sure it's chaos. So that was one of the things that uh, I... I at first, I was I was against it. I was against it only because the way that this particular person came up um, was was trying to basically make it centralized and make it for um, for uh, what's the word? They were trying to profit off the off this blockchain, off this off this uh, this technology. Basically, they, uh, upload your information on there, and they will sell it to other countries and other other hospitals, and they have to pay a fee in order to access the blockchain database. Um, is that going to be the future? I don't know. Is it the right thing to do? Honestly, I, why, why? It's just, it, it shouldn't be like that. We should have the option to encrypt our own data and keep things decent. Actually, I learned that from Mike. Mike is, is a big advocate about, um, being, being in control of your own data. Yep. I really like that. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, I think that, you know, I don't think it would happen because I feel like there's too many people that like to cheat, but I think that in a sense, that kind of data or like what, you know, the blockchain can do for even the voting system. I understand from what you just said now, why, you know, that could just, why that could be, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I really think, you know, it should be in the next election. There shouldn't be any middle person for that there definitely is accountability in that and you can put your vote in in a couple seconds doesn't take long you know no no delayed mail yeah absolutely i, I have a lot of faith <laughs> I thought in I'd the voting say hi to you guys this is me and josh he's like Hello. we're just here <laughs> I was thinking the same people. thing that's funny i was thinking i was like i'm gonna go on video at Towards the end here. Right. Awesome. Well, no, I think talking and seeing faces really makes it a little more personable. Absolutely. So I think that we should, it should be recommended for the future ones. You say maybe okay. not with the video. You should do it. I was it. actually I was actually going to ask you. I was I was going to ask you all. No, how we didn't. Was this, how was this first? Because you guys are the first ones to be in this Zoom meetup, official Zoom meetup. We were testing this out. We wanted to see if it works. Did you guys enjoy it? Was it good? Get the feedback. Yeah, so I that think it was okay. I think. Are you able to edit some of this? I don't know if we want to talk about this on the podcast. No worries. No worries. All right. Well, I mean, I think that I after we had already started, I was like, man, like we didn't do back and forth, and I feel like it made it a little less like talking. And I, I also wanted to wait and see what James had to say before even mentioning more things, so we didn't like. Yeah, we also messed it up because uh, we. Two separate devices, small house. Yeah. I mean, I was in the front side of the house. She was in the back. And then when she started, uh, my, my, I guess my mic was picking it up. So, but yeah, no, it was good. I think it was good. I think that a lot of people don't really know where to start with it all, you know? And so this yeah. is a good, 
good pivot. I mean, even it's to always do this- good to build a good community, man. That's where that's the whole that's the whole point of this is that it's good to make connections, and I hope you guys continue making more connections and, and yeah. learn more about crypto. And I hope that whatever you learned here on this podcast, that you guys can share that information too with others. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, thanks for having us. I mean, thank you. Absolutely. And nice to meet you, James. I enjoyed your questions. All right, me too. I enjoyed y'all's. Um, so I guess y'all are on the Raven Coin Market I'm discussion. Discord. Uh, my name on the Discord is out of time. Oh, okay. I see that. So yeah, Raven. Uh, on there, I'm Reverse Darkness. So. Yeah. All right, folks. So and as we uh, real, real quick, as we wrap up this podcast, there's one quick point. As we were talking about how governments can use blockchains, there's a coin called Flow that's actually rebranding themselves as Open Index Protocol, and they put land registry records on blockchain. And the state of Wyoming has actually already commissioned them and already been using them to do that. Wait. So, you know, baby steps. Right. Yeah. Someone's got to do it yeah. first for the people that accept it and, you know, believe in it, you know. And yeah. then do- Nice, yeah. nice. Okay, right. so I was that's gonna be point that would be doing that, but I'm sure that it's uh, completely capable of doing so. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think another good thing to talk about on a like maybe on a, the next one or one that you guys talk with other people. Did you guys see the thing about Open DAO uh, that came out yesterday that Tron Black tweeted about? Yes. Yeah, I'm kind of. Uh, uh, it's, it's a touchy one for me. Oh, it's the, 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 like one of the open DAOs, just a company or just an entity that, you know, builds blockchain tools and oh, their okay. flagship right now is Raven O and that's their stable coin for Raven coin. It's yeah. It's pegged to the USD. It's not, it doesn't exist on Raven coin. It's not mm-hmm. like a, a Raven oh. coin asset that's made. It's on a different chain. Yeah. And it's essentially, it's a way to short Ravencoin. So if let's say Ravencoin costs a dime, you would need to take 10 Ravencoin and then move it over to this vault. And this vault will give you a credit for one USD. Uh, the the asset is Raveno. What's that? I don't like what, like from what you're saying about it. I'm not a fan of that either. Oh, it gets um, worse, man. It gets worse because let's yeah. say Raven jumps to a dollar. You still mm-hmm. only have one Raven O coin that's worth, you know, one dollar. And if you were to try to put it back into Raven coin, you'd only get one Raven coin. So essentially, you just, you know, screwed yourself out of either oh, nine we- Raven coin or nine dollars. Yeah, what a waste. Well, thanks yeah. for about that. <laughs> All right, hey guys, Ben woke up, so I think I'm gonna let you go. Awesome. I was so he like took the nap at the perfect time perfect perfect all right so with that said we're actually gonna wrap it up as well thank you all for being here don't forget there was a couple of uh links there bits be tripping and son of a tech for miners was that correct uh mike i think just son of tech not son of a tech Uh, oh it it could be either one i don't know okay and then also cryptozombies.io if you want to learn solidity and ipfs.io if you want to look into that so with that, James, Sydney, Mike, and Josh, thank you all for being here. With that said, thank you, Mike. I greatly appreciate you hosting this uh, podcast. Yeah, man. Stack sats. And hodl. What is Mike on the um, Discord? I am boats and hose, all one word. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs>
but that's def I definitely prefer Mike. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get out of here adios thank you all right thank you later guys have a good one